0: welcome to the sober unicorn we are a gay hosted all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the lgbt plus community and all of our allies i'm your host holden and thank you for joining us today hey 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 everybody is holden here with the sober unicorn yet again i hope everybody's doing well and if you're not having a good day hopefully it does get better um so today is going to be a little different. Um, Daniel is joining us today. And Daniel um, was on, I don't know what episode it is, but it's one of the episodes um, here on the podcast. Um, and me and him have been in contact over the next the past few months, ever since meeting at, uh, kind of meeting and passing at the Big D Roundup um, in Dallas, Texas. And he has actually requested to interview me, which is going to be kind of an interesting turn for everybody listening um so everybody say hello to Daniel how are you Daniel? I am doing
1: okay I'm better than I was this morning when we were communicating (laughs) good um but I'm but I'm doing just fine how are you?
0: I'm doing good you know today like uh, today's my day off so I've had this my second recording of the day I had two cancellations but I was able to get like somebody in really quickly um and she was awesome and just kind of been cleaning. Um, just doing my house bitch duties, as I would say. Yeah, I
1: need to do some of that myself.
0: It's I'm preparing to move. I'm gonna be moving um back to San Antonio um in January. Mm-hmm. So I would I decided against Atlanta, decided against Chattanooga, and definitely don't want to go to Dallas. <laughs> oh, okay there's too much dallitude over there no i'm kidding um Hello? no i mean san Antonio's home um even though i go there and after a few weeks i get super tired i mean after a few years i'm like oh san antonio but then i've lived in california i've lived in fort worth i've traveled and it's like every time it's like oh i want to go back i miss the people i miss friends that i've had for 10 15 years now um and so, I just think it's like time for me to go home and get settled and hopefully find me a man that'll deal with all my crazy so anyways, but <laughs> I mean I know the episode is about me, but I will hand it over to you and um let you take control um even though you're not daddy today <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you and
1: um so like Holden mentioned, my name is Daniel, and I am a member of a twelve step um fellowship um I, myself, I, um, I have been sober for a while and um, I uh, use the 12 steps to maintain my sobriety. That's a choice that works for me. Um, I understand that there are many avenues to sobriety um, and many types of sobriety for people that suit their lives. Um, and I respect all of those. Um, we'll kind of make those types of things clear at the top. However, um, my My experience um, comes from twelve step basically because this is what my experience is. Um, so the the questions that I may ask at some point, I don't have anything planned, but I'll just gonna have a discussion and, and the the questions that I may ask, they may come from you know, kind of slanted from a twelve step point of view, but that's why. Um, there's no gotcha questions. Um, this is your life. There are no right or wrong answers. Um, this is your path, your journey, and you know, to say you know that it's wrong so just kind of wanted to lay that out right off the top um so what's been going on with you i know a couple of episodes ago um you 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 had a situation that you shared
0: with the listeners um so what's been going on since then oh goodness gracious um so of course um i know what episode we're referring to it's probably the relapse episode um That happened, I believe it was September 7th, that relapse. Um, I was, I would say a month and a half sober, almost. Um, Not really doing any action behind any type of 12-step or any type of um, action behind any sobriety or trying to keep myself sober. And uh, so I went to Florida. I've been vacationing a lot. um, And... I went to Florida two weeks ago. Now I believe it was two, three weeks, and unfortunately, I had another relapse. I'm in Florida, and so now I am going on three weeks sober. Um, and but this time, what's weird is this from this relapse compared to the last relapse. Like, I feel really different, but in a very positive way. So other than that, just kind of figuring out where I'm going to move, um, trying to get back and motivated into the podcast again, and kind of getting back to being motivated um, for my sobriety. Okay.
1: okay. Um, and also, I guess, you know, just for disclosure, you know, up to this point in my recovery, relapse has not been part of my story. However, I by no means believe that I am immune from relapse. Um, I believe my recovery depends upon um, me taking action every day to maintain my sobriety and recovery. Um, And if I am unable or unwilling to do that, then yeah, I'm susceptible to to, a relapse at some point. Um, So now that you've had a little time, a little distance from both incidents, do you have any insights about what led up to either or both or
0: mm, um, yes and no so do i do i know the reason i was finally like oh let's let's smoke some meth and snort some li- lines of coke um no but leading up to it um i of course went through a 12-step fellowship and um for my first solid three to four months I was super gung-ho sobriety that is kind of my was my entire focus and I faked it till I made it especially when it came to the higher power situation and I thought well if I just fake it it'll come reality eventually and it and it didn't for me um we as gay people deal with a lot of trauma um growing up in a church or just kind of distancing ourselves from a religious past. And so I kind of was like, after four months of sobriety, I was like, ooh, I got this shit. Like, I hadn't drank, I hadn't used. And so I felt that I could do this on my own, but also keeping the connections and the fellowship involved and still checking into meetings um, here and there. But after getting terminated from my job, um, it's kind of school got a little hectic as well. So I, my meetings, I was trying to get to like two to three a week and now it became one a week, once every two weeks. Um, And when the first relapse hit, I feel it was very much so, I had zero direction. Like I had lost motivation and sobriety. I had lost my job. I had dropped out of school. I mean, everything that was going for me kind of was starting to fail and fumble um and I wasn't using the tools that were provided to me to help me get through that, and that's why um, I chose to use the first time um the second time here in Florida um... okay well you
1: know let's 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 stop with the first time okay mm-hmm. um, because you, you shared a lot there um so the first time you know, and the other thing too is like you've shared at the top, you know we have been in communication for. while now since the Big D Roundup which was back in the end of May Um, and and I think we know each other rather well I mean you know we speak very candidly (laughs) to each other Um, and and so I remember when you shared with me about losing actually I remember you shared about you had an incident with your manager and I didn't say anything because it wasn't my place, you know, but in my mind, I was like, whoa, red flag, right? Um, And then, um, and then very shortly after that, you shared that, yeah, you had been asked to resign. And I was like, oh, no, Um, because I've been through something similar um, a couple of years back. And I, I knew, I knew that it was the hardest test of my recovery because it was so scary. The, the. Uncertainty of of being unemployed was terrifying and it tested me to the core. Um, And I think I kind of talked with you a little bit, a little about that back then, Um, you know? um, And so, yeah, and then I remember asking you once, I don't know if you remember this, um, we were just chatting one day and I said, so what are you doing to stay
0: sober today? You remember me asking you that? You did and I probably said not a damn thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then I was like, oh, okay, um, you know, and that's a question that my sponsor um, started asking me way back, right? Um, because, you know, like I said, for me, recovery is an action. I need to be doing something um, to maintain my recovery. And, and, um, and yeah, so honestly, that was another red flag, but okay. Um, and then, yeah, things played out the way they played out, right? Um, mm-hmm. And often, this has been my observation with people, you know, once a relapse happens, yeah, then they're kind of shaken awake, right? They realize, oh wow. So, you know, that was a red flag, but um, you know, I mean, what can you do, right? You offer support and, and you you hope for the best, you pray for your friends, and then you know, life goes on. Um, and then um and then you went away and and then um the the slip happened, Um, and then it kind of shook you awake, which is often a good thing, right? Because then many people realize, well, this is where I need to reset and and kind of look at what I've been doing and take things more seriously and then go on, right? I mean, that's because relapse is a normal part of recovery, right? I mean, recovery is not in a straight line. It's often stops and starts and and two steps forward and one step backward. And, you know, this whole pass fail idea that we often get is is very damaging to us. so, okay, so then, not too long after that trip um, was, wait, so you relapsed? In Fort Worth. Okay, right, okay.
0: And then you had a trip coming up shortly after that, right? Correct. I went to Florida. I went to Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Um, And I had, like, at this point, I felt... I was stronger, I would say. Not strong in my sobriety, but just coming back from the relapse, coming out with that episode, that, that I was like, this isn't going to happen again. At least, I don't think it was. And I went down there for a guy, um, and they were like, oh, you want to go hang out with our friend after the bar? We were at the bar all night. I didn't drink. I haven't drank for almost a year. Um, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, Let's do it. And Needless to say that friend, like, does copious amounts of uh, cocaine, and at this point, I mean, I'm gonna get very candid in this episode. So if you're turned off bisexual innuendos, sorry about it. uh, But penises were out. um, A lot of sexual things were going on, and cocaine started flying. And so I was like, "But fuck it," Um, because. I think at this point, it was, I mean, we're late at night, I'm exhausted, but it's like, I don't want to not be included, but yet I also knew what the repercussions were, um, so I was like, screw it, and I think it was also because I wanted to sleep with my, the guy that flew out there, his friend, and his friend is the one that I was providing, so I do it, we all, of course, are awake, we were up roughly to, like, six in the morning, um, and all playing around with each other. And then that was a Friday night. And then we slept pretty late into Saturday. And woke up and I was like, hey, like he wanted to go out to the bar, but I did not want to like be around those friends. Cause now I'm already starting that like mindset of oh my god, what the hell did I do last night? Um and so I was like, Hey, can I just have the hotel room by myself tonight? Kind of just collect myself, maybe play with somebody else when I'm down in Florida, because it's chaser central and i'm a big girl and so at, when we're out at the bar like all these like fine-ass chasers trying to be hollering so i end up hitting up a guy on growler um and he's like yeah come over like let's hang out we'll, let, we'll of course hang out with our wangs out i was like all right cool so i go over there and like 10 minutes 10 15 minutes it's play time he he asked me he's like do you smoke and i was like "Boy, well, vape i was like what do you mean like what else are you talking about like he's like oh i party and um smoke cigarettes i was like oh he's like are you cool with that And like without even thinking and i think it was more like i didn't think about it because like this intercourse was already happening like literally these questions are flying like while we're fully having intercourse um and so he gets up pulls it out and next thing you know I'm uh, using Um, and the thing is with that um, certain substance when I use I become very insatiable in the sexual aspect so after him I go back to the hotel and I end up sleeping with like probably six more people throughout the night six plus people I don't really recall a lot of it um and, of course, coming back, um, I ended up, of course, staying awake all night, Saturday night, um, into Sunday, actually calling into the hotel to check out an hour later because I had somebody in the room. Um, and I get home and come to find out the person that I flew to go see had a boyfriend the entire time. And every night we were going to sleep in the hotel room. He was leaving the room and going home to his boyfriend. And then every morning when I was waking up and I was like, where are you at? He's like, oh, I had to go to the dispensary or how to run an errand. I'll be right there. Um, because he booked a hotel like two miles from his home. And which made me then at this point feel completely manipulated, used, taken advantage of. Because yes, it was still my choice to use, but this individual saw the struggle that I had mental health wise after the first relapse um and he saw the pain that I went through and he still chose to take me to a friend's place that he knew narcotics were going to be at um he never asked me beforehand is it cool if we go there it's I'm already there being presented with it Um, and at this time, of course, a month and a half in, I'm not nine and a half months strong in my sobriety anymore. I'm not a year strong. I'm a month and a half in and was still very weak mentally coming off the first relapse. So, um, I said, fuck it. (laughs) And so when the next night, Saturday night, the other drug came about, um, I mean, shit, I had already relapsed the night before. Might as well just make it a party weekend in Florida then and deal with, um, The consequences of everything when i get home um the huge difference that i found between the two relapses is the first relapse the substance was very minimal um wasn't good um so yes i relapsed but it didn't scare me awake as you said um yes it made me emotional but it didn't wake me up the second relapse did because the substance was plentiful and the substance was good. And that's what scared me because I got that feeling back that I haven't had in a year. I forgot who I was. I forgot, um, while well, hi, I forgot the morals that I had set for myself and the limitations and the boundaries and like everything disappeared again for me, um, which was very, very scary for me because I don't want it to happen again. Cause I got a taste of what I used to be like when in my addiction and it's not pretty and I don't like that person. And um, so I think that's why this time after this, this relapse, I'm a little bit more um, motivated um, and excited um, to start taking some action and doing something in order to make sure that I don't slip up again. Cause I'm afraid if I go out again, I won't come back.
1: Okay. So now we're going to move into a little bit of a responsibility section. Oh um, shit! And you've taken responsibility. You know, you said you know nobody forced you to use and mm-hmm. all that. Um, um. So remember, um, I don't know if you remember, but I asked, but you know, before you went to Florida, I asked you a specific question. Do you remember what that question was? And I Actually.
0: Said, flip it and reverse it like uh, oh my god I can't remember the singer right now um, Jesus Christ I can't remember anyway Missy Elliott there we go um, it was before I went to Atlanta that you asked me this question
1: yeah so it's, it's uh, I said are you going as a sober person or are you setting aside recovery until you get back so now, now that you went and,
0: and you had that experience and came back what well, so the experience. So the question that you asked me. So I of course went to Florida three weeks ago. I went to Atlanta last weekend. Um. So I of course I was two weeks sober, flying all well, a week and a half ish sober going into Atlanta when you asked me that question, um, and I went to Atlanta as a sober person, um. And I actually went to a meeting, um, a 12-step meeting while in Atlanta. I made sure, even though I was there, I flew in like a Friday night, um, had Saturday there and flew home Sunday morning. Um, I made sure I set aside time during my trip to focus on some kind of recovery. Okay. And so,
1: backing that question up, do you think you went to Florida as a sober person, or a person that set aside recovery until you get back. You know,
0: it's weird um, that you asked that because going into Florida, I think it was Friday before the cocaine happened. Um, we're just we had just woken up from a nap. I'm, I'm sifting through the, the find a meeting app. And there was a meeting like a mile from where I was in the hotel. and I'm like, Hey, like I'm thinking about tomorrow at seven o'clock, like going to this meeting, this AA meeting, if if that's okay with you, it's only an hour. And he's like, yeah, sure. That's totally okay. Like no big deal. And of course, Friday night. So here I am like looking at meetings to go to hours before I'm doing blow. And of course the next day I'm coming off of, of course, I, I relapsed Friday night. Like now, I feel like a fraud again, um, and I'm like, well, I am not going to damn AA meeting the day after I relapsed in Florida, um, and then Saturday night became the uh the mess.
1: And I understand that you felt that way, but you do understand that nowhere does it say that you cannot go to a twelve step meeting if you. Know.
0: I know. I mean, hell, people go to twelve step meetings, ball high. Right. Um, right, It's. Uh, and, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just making that distinction. I mean, because
1: that's People often feel that way, but I just kind of wanted to just kind of said that. Yeah, I mean, a twelve-step meeting is always available to anyone, right? I mean, but oftentimes because of our own kind of shame or guilt or whatever, we block ourselves off from,
0: from that 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 source of of help, right? Um. Um. um so I think it's more or less. When I reestablished, I wanted to reestablish my home group um, with the people that I've surrounded myself with in recovery this entire time. I did not want to go to a meet. I understand I don't have to reestablish like that moment um, that I was safe. I went to the meeting in Florida, but I feel that after Friday night um, that I was like, fuck the AA meeting. I'm going to party this weekend and then I'll deal with reestablishment when I get home. Right. Um, and, and that's what happened. Yeah.
1: And, and that's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. Um, like I said, I'm I'm not, I'm not judging a choice. I was just kind of making it. it yeah. Um, and I think that's an addict that.
0: mindset. So yesterday right. I was on a phone call, a conversation with, um, a fellow and I think they worked at a program if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they're in San Antonio and we were kind of discussing everything that kind of went down and they asked me do you identify as an addict rather than an alcoholic and I kind of paused and he was like well there's my answer and I was like hold up bitch like let me explain myself yeah um but as I kind of look back into what they stated about like Like a non-addict doesn't just go ooh, let's do some meth (laughs) like that is not a normie person behavior and so I look back at my behavior when I was in active addiction with meth and that behavior was the same exact behavior that I encountered in Florida so I was like ooh um, I may have not have been um, like the rock bottom addict when it came to meth um, but I was still an addict nonetheless you know it's funny because to me
1: addict and alcoholic are synonymous i mean if i'm at an aa meeting i'll say alcoholic but if i'm at an other meeting i'll say an addict and to me they're synonymous because i can be just as obsessed about alcohol as i am about drugs as i am about men as i'm about any number of things but yeah it's, it's synonymous for me um so okay so um Going back to responsibility. So do you feel, okay, so you were upset because this person that you went to see um, misrepresented themselves and you found out some, some, some uncomfortable things, some awful things really, and you felt used and then, um, and then you acted out based on
0: that. How do you feel about that choice now? Well, the acting out, like the, I didn't find out about the whole being lied to until after I was already back in Texas. um yeah so it was i i think after the i felt that in order for me to sleep with the friend of his that was there the house that i had to partake in a way um or that i just wanted to be a part of the good time that like everybody's sitting here drinking everybody's doing blow and here i am just like la-ti-da-di-da sober person um so it's it, so, it's, it's so important, though, that I have to make sure that I have to be super mindful on who I surround myself with. Right.
1: So, how do you feel now about the knowledge that this person who you had chatted with online for a period um, seemed seemed very seemed caring, seemed interested, seemed to want to spend time with you, was then just so kind of indifferent about
0: you being around narcotics knowing your history um it just shows me that that person is just as sick as i am um i think that i i can't fault him um because i mean he we his he smokes weed from my understanding he does other stuff unbeknownst to me he's never told me anything so i can't fully say whether he is or not but um the thing is an addict's an addict whether it's marijuana whether it's alcohol whether it's meth whether it's cocaine um is still an addiction and i think um at the end of the day he was worried for himself just like when i go out and i was on meth and i go blow through 12 men in a weekend sleeping with them i'm doing it for selfish reasons um and his selfish reason was to have a guy that he finds very attracted to to fly into the weekend for a sexcation um he didn't really care um, about me nor the journey that I was on um, as long as he got what he wanted from it. So do you feel that you,
1: that by not taking responsibility for your own recovery, you you, you gave him too much power?
0: Yes, um, because when it, when the moment cocaine was pulled out, I should have said, hey, I need to go. Um, if you want to stay go ahead and stay but i'll get an uber or whatever like wow. i at the end of the day i'm the only one responsible for my own recovery and saying no and choosing not to use um right. and i feel i put that in somebody else's hands um and expected them to have the same um like recovery not the same recovery journey but put it in their hands and ha- hope in hopes that they would have the same um, respect for my journey that I tried to have um, so yeah I mean it's it's entirely my fault um, but and it's not about blame but I mean really yeah. so what so do you
1: think that your desire to have this sexual encounter with this this other person was the the tipping point like do you think of the uh, that third person was someone that you were not interested in and the whole thing had gone down the same way. Do you think you would have said, "Oh, what the fuck is going on? I'm out," or do you think it still sort have of gone down the same way?
0: I don't think so. Um, I I really don't. I don't think if I if I did not find that other individual attractive, I don't think I would have did it because for me, when it came to multiple partners at the same time um, during my my last six years, it's always been under the influence so I haven't really, I've never really taught myself how to, um, how to engage in sex or how to engage in, um, in this playtime without, without the substance. So it's like, well, how, do, how do I sit here and get, um, I mean, again, everybody's sorry for all the sexual misconduct, but um, it's like, how do I sit here and get trained on by two guys or three guys without this? Um, and so I think Um, and I've never really had multiple partners at the same time without any substance. So I just think it brought back old times, old memories. And it was just kind of a reflex for me to sit there and do this, this drug. So do you think it was the
1: need to have the substance to give you the ability to have the sexual encounter, or it was the desire for the sexual encounter? Which drove you yes. the substance.
0: I think it was a desire for the sexual encounter. Because the thing is, without um without the sexual encounter being involved, like I don't want meth. I don't want cocaine. I don't want any any substance and it's like I don't crave it otherwise. Um it's only when the sexual promiscuity is kind of being played into it that I'm like, Well, I haven't had sex in six months, so why don't I just do this substance? And instead of sleeping with one guy, I know I won't be worn out. So now I can make up lost time and sleep with ten. And that's where my mind goes. And I, when I try to go to therapy many years ago, I told my therapist I, I like to call it "home mode," where I do this and I black out. Like I don't remember most of these sexual encounters that I had that weekend.
1: And you know, I just want to say, make it clear. Also, nobody is saying that if someone in their clear mind makes a choice to be promiscuous, that of course is perfectly fine if that's oh God, a choice yeah. that, that a person makes, right? But we're talking about you know using sex almost like not almost, but using sex like a drug, right? Overindulging in yeah. it and just just becoming obsessed, and it's just you know that's the type of sexual encounter. That we're
0: and I think about. too, it's 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 for me. Um... I use it as also because if anybody has done chem sex, you know that most of the guys that you're able to obtain during the act and usage of this drug, you wouldn't normally be able to get um without the substance. So like me, I'm a bigger guy. Um, and this dude that I see, I'm like, oh, he's hot. I would immediately get rejected. But if I'm like, oh, he's into chem sex. And I'm like, hey, I got a bag. You want to come over? He's immediately like, hell yeah, let's do it. Without caring about uh, my my body appearance, and so I've used I've kind of used it in a way to feel desired by men that otherwise wouldn't pay attention to me, um, and I used I use it for a sense of validation because even though I'm being used for the drug, even though I'm being used for my glorious um, Gluck Glug three thousand and and other things. <laughs> that at the end of the day like they don't want me they just wanted what I had to offer so and that and then that's when like the the kind of the depression hits after like when I came back from Florida I was like for one sad because of the um relapse again but two because I knew that nobody that I took part in with I would get, ever see again I would never really talk to again and So I literally gave up a month and a half worth of sobriety again for um a quick weekend of feeling wanted. I would say. And see now, I
1: know this is about you, but just um for just a brief moment, you know, um, I've I've been through phases where I've been, and this is in recovery. I've been through phases where I've been promiscuous, um, but recently, like last couple of years, um, it's been almost the opposite. And it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm not willing to be promiscuous, but I I feel like I want someone to see me. Um, you know, I, just having the, like the anonymous or barely, you know, speaking one, two, three is just not enough for me anymore. Um, so I can relate to feeling like that because i almost feel the same way it's like i feel like i can kind of like lure them in with my physical appearance but they're not really interested in me as a, as a person the person that's in there they're just kind of wanting the shell um mm-hmm. and that and that kind of turns me off and that's why um i have had so few sexual encounters because i want someone to see me now if i if there's anyone out there who can see me um no seriously if i meet someone like that and we can you know because like a fuck buddy is is fine but i always only get the fuck part i never get the buddy (laughs) so you know if you know me and you
0: were buddies but we're missing the other part i'm kidding
1: (laughs) but if i was able to have that type of relationship i would be wild i mean because honestly in recovery i feel freer sexually than i did before because um i'm i like who i am now um i'm more in touch with my authentic my authentic self i'm able to be present and all these things um which makes me more powerful sexually but not in an anonymous for me not in an anonymous kind of random setting so
0: What's crazy um, though is I I don't desire to have multiple partners. And that's like I like I I mean if anybody listens that wants to holler, say hey girl, but no, um I like I desire a partner in marriage sure. and settling down and living that like old life where you're just like chilling, watching TV, just bullshitting with each other, and it's like I don't understand um like why those two go so hand in hand for me, but yet it's so far, like the whole method sex, like, but it that's so far from what I actually desire and want. I just like I would just like a partner and feel wanted from that partner and desired and not um that I'm just another hole for them to use or another checklist on their fucking grinder profile. So yeah. it's it's crazy. Um whole oh, another podcast. But yeah, I mean I
1: completely <laughs> agree. And, and in the meantime, yeah, there's nothing, you know, I, I would, you know, I had great group sex, not in recovery, I don't think. Oh, I did in recovery. Oh my God. Um, And it was great. But like I said, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the thing that, that I kind of stumbled into organically. It wasn't like I was in some drug haze and, and, you know, um, so it was one, it was a choice that I made with a clear mind and, and I enjoyed it and I was very present. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would love that, that solidity that security that foundation of just having um that person that relationship Mm -hmm. but this is like i said another podcast but um but yeah and as you know we've had this discussion at my age i'll be 55 next month
0: oh that's it Um, i thought you were older oh
1: girl (laughs) cut you um you know i'm coming to i'm coming to, to to peace with the fact that the possibility that I may not have another serious relationship, you know, lots of people are interested, so don't feel sad for me, right? I'm I'm holding up pretty well, um. But like I said, lots of people want to play, but not many want to stay. Ooh. <laughs> so, but anyway, let's we've kind of strayed. Um, yes. Um. So now that you've gotten some good information, right? So because like this is the other thing. A lot of times when we go through these situations and relapse happens because it's a part of recovery. Does it have to be, but it, but it definitely is. This is still valuable information, right? So you have gained valuable information. What insights do you have that you plan to use and hope to keep in the forefront of your mind going forward?
0: You know, three words, trust, no hope. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the fact of <clears throat> what's so weird is like, I'm, I'm two weeks earth window, three weeks coming off that relapse. And I am more motivated in my journey than I was when I first started um, in October 23rd of 2021. Um, because now it's like I, I realize that I'm the only one that's eventually going to make make it or break it for me. Like okay. It's up to me to take that action. It's up to me to put my sobriety first and foremost. It's up to me to have self-love and not have to... Beg to be desired, or put myself in that situation just to feel desired for for those few hours of highness. So, um, and it's surrounding myself with people that show compassion and love, even if it's just as a friend, and show care. Because I, I said in the episode today um, that I recorded, it's crazy that most of my drinking friends, I hear from them. Maybe she. I've heard from some of them, maybe three times in almost a year. Mm-hmm. But yet people in my recovery circle, like if I don't hit you up in like three or four days, you're like, Hey girl, what's going on? Like you, you, we haven't talked or like the moment I remove myself from a group, like you're immediately texting me figuring out what's up. Like, are you okay? What, like checking in. So it's, it's me being just super mindful to make sure I put people in my life that actually care about my sobriety. And care about my um, success in, in this journey, and that only want to see me progress and get better. Um, but it's also the fact of I don't need like I don't need somebody else's validation to feel loved. And so it's now it's kind of going on this self love journey as well. Uh, but yeah, I think this time around it's me realizing that at the end of the day, the only person that is ever going to put my sobriety first and foremost is myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a super weird feeling recently um, because the first, I mean, the first relapse, man, it was like three weeks of like just fucking self-hatred and self-pity and self-wallowing and like this time around I had a good couple days of that, but that was probably, like, just coming down off of everything I did. Oh. Um, but after that, like, kind of a light bulb went off in my head, and um, of bitch, like, get it together, move forward. Um, I listened to Lamore's song, like, on fucking repeat about his relapse. And oh. it's like, he says once I was an example of getting sober but now I can be an example of starting over just because I had these slips doesn't mean that I'm any less than in my recovery right. um Chelsea she's um uh, uh she's been on my the show twice when I she chomped me a new one I this is after my first relapse I said I only have 30 days and she like popped off on me about don't you ever dare say only in front of your sobriety time because she goes there are people that for one can't make it to 24 hours can't even get that she goes and there's others that never get the chance to even try to get their first 24 hours so she's like no matter whether you're 24 hours in five hours in or 15 years in like your sobriety time is something to be proud of so it's me trying not to focus so much on the time that I have sober now it's me now focusing on just being sober like don't worry about me having two days a month or year it's worry about today worry about what I can do today to stay sober and what I can do um today for self-care and mental health and and everything like that so um I'm a lot more excited this time around and a lot more motivated and pushing forward I mean um the past few episodes of the podcast I've been kind of just recording just to get content out there for the listeners but today I mean I had like three episodes scheduled unfortunately I had some cancellations and movement but this is I was able to record two episodes today and I was actually like excited woke up early wanted to record um was excited to talk to the people um and just and super excited to talk recovery again um and I think uh, hopefully the listeners can tell the excitement. Um, I understand the first forty minutes of this episode were kind of um, sad, unfortunately, but guess what? like sometimes recovery's not all sparkles and unicorns um right. as, as um, Sky said in the previous episode, if you've listened, but um sometimes it's sadness and tears and emotions and and everything, and it's just. I'm grateful to be able to have the two weeks or three weeks over that I have now. And I'm um, grateful that even though I did relapse and it sucks, um, that hopefully somebody I encounter a year from now, five years from now in my journey and they slip up again, or they slip up um, and they're thinking about leaving any program or they're thinking about just saying, fuck the entire sobriety thing. I can be like, girl, look here, motherfucker like I did the same thing, like, (laughs) um, don't worry, like, you can find, and that's what Chelsea's episode is about, is you can find success in sobriety after a relapse, she relapsed three years in, and now she's over seven years sober, so it's, yeah, I'm just excited, and I'm excited to see what this next part of the journey is going to take me, and I feel that my relapses and the lessons learned within those relapses will really benefit me in the future, and benefit my relationships, and um my sexual conquests i mean so who knows? there could be a train ran on me next week and that i'll be sober <laughs> this time <laughs> yeah i mean just like i said you know the main thing is is to um
1: make sure that that recovery is a priority um and and that it is it is kind of sitting center stage in your life um regardless of what's going on um because i know for me it's the foundation that everything else is built on i know you hear that a lot in different recovery spaces but for me it's true um, because if I'm not at my best, um, my authentic, my most authentic, then I'm not my most effective. I, I can't reach the most people. You know, I can't help be the most helpful. Um, and and yeah, I mean, so that's really what it's about.
0: Um, and talking and- about being authentic, I think like I said earlier, like at the beginning of my sobriety time, I was like, I faked it. So I was not even authentic to myself, to my sponsor to anybody in recovery. Really. I just lied my way through. And I think that that's why this time and the relapses and being, I, I'm trying to be as transparent with myself, with my listeners and with the people in my life as possible, because you can't build your success off of lies and deceit and, um, self-deception you have to build it off of transparency and honesty and um and and truth and you know i do want to
1: say this also right so i came into the rooms when i was 48 right i had a lot of time to try and work this thing out on my own right If, if i could have found a way to drink and use without burning down my life i would have when i finally got to that place where I just said, I cannot do this anymore. I was 48, I was out of ideas and solutions and I was ready to try something else. You guys, lots of people are much younger. And so I applaud people who are younger because it's much harder because I know you haven't had the experience of life that I've had of trying, right? So, I mean, that's kind of the first essential question of you know, do I want to be sober, right? And if I wanna be sober, why do I wanna be sober? Right. I mean, this is something that we that one needs to ask themselves. This isn't something that, you know, you need to, you know, talk about necessarily, but you need to know. Right. Because, you know, maybe you're just wanting to be sober to please a man or maybe you're just wanting to be sober to keep a job or or maybe you're wanting to be sober because you can't see yourself living the way you've been living up until now. Any of those reasons can be valid, but they need to be your truth. Um, because trying to live someone else's truth to be sober won't work
0: well and I think um, beforehand I, I went into an industry that was very um, uh, very substance related um, because many people in that industry the funeral industries it's 70 it's, percent um, usage when it comes to alcohol and other narcotics and so I felt that that's why I needed to get sober the first time was I'm going into this industry before I dive headfirst in I need to get sober and get in control of this. But now that the relapses have occurred, it's now like, I'm now doing it for myself because I've seen how I am nine months sober and I saw how I was these two times that I relapsed. And I don't like the person that I saw. And it's like, I don't want to become that person um, again. And so now I think it's this time, it's not about longevity in a career. It's more about just, wanting to be a better version of Holden and be a better version of myself and but and like you said you got sober at 48 I'm 31 and it's crazy to see the younger generation um get sober especially I, I know people in recovery that are 18 19 years old yeah. and it's insane because drugs and narcotics are so much easier to come by like when you like in the 60s when you were in your 20s <laughs> um, <laughs> no but it's it's um but like but but older generation it was it was easy to come by like um freaking weed but like i i can't imagine in the 80s or 90s trying to find meth um i mean nowadays it's freaking go down to lancaster and fort worth and bam you got yourself some yeah um you know and i can i i came up in the club scene
1: um and it was mostly cocaine um meth was kind of taboo. And I don't even remember the first time that I saw it. Um, So yeah, it was more of a taboo thing. And I I didn't even really know like what it was exactly. Um, But yeah, it it was mostly cocaine, uh, but I was living in Miami too, so yeah. Mm.
0: Um,
1: Florida, uh, man. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Miami in the nineties, oh my God. Um, But yeah, I mean, and and, you know, um, like I said, the main thing is understanding what it is you really want because Mm -hmm. your true motive will always shine through right um person's true motive will always shine through so we can say whatever we want but if we really want something else eventually you know our actions will will kind of be pointed in that direction Mm -hmm. and so it's just important to understand what it is you really want if you find you're struggling you know yeah sit down and think what is it you know that i'm that i really want because clearly if the words and the deeds are not in line, then there's, there's something there, right? Um, and again, that's, that's, that's personal work. That's something that you know, one would have to do uh, with themselves or a sponsor or a therapist or someone else, right? I mean, I couldn't tell someone that, but, um, but yeah. And, and but once you get to that place where you know what it is exactly you want, then um, you're able to move into that space in a more effective way, so.
0: Yeah and I think it's it's important no matter whether you're 12 step recovery or not lean into somebody else like right. find Dude's a sober perfect. person like I mean there's so many groups on Facebook and go to us like I mean go to the sober unicorns instagram find somebody in the the, the following list I mean just reach out because no matter whether it's somebody's a 12 step program or not like they will be there to help and talk to you and listen Right. Um, and that's I, I think many people in addiction is always scared to go to somebody else because we think that our addiction was like the worst, and what what we've done within our addiction was just so horrid. And it's like talk to another addict because guess what, bitch? Like, right, what you did in the act of addiction was the most of the, the addicts that are recovered. So I right. I I reach out to somebody. I think that's a yeah. huge huge thing in recovery. Yeah, and you have to do do something because you know for me, I
1: identify as an addict, right? And so if I my default setting is to use. If I don't do any work to actively push away from my default setting, I'm gonna use. So I've got to be active towards recovery. So whatever it is, if you're 12 step, fine. If you're something else, fine, but you got to do something. Doing nothing is you're gonna sit in your default setting. And if, mm-hmm. if you're if you're someone who who finds that once you start using you can't stop or or um, you know you're burning down relationships and, and and turning into someone that that you don't recognize um, then you might have a problem um, and and so yeah you may need to take some action to fight against
0: reverting to that person um, so exactly no you fully fully get it. All right, Daniel. Is there any other questions you had for me before we wrap up the episode?
1: No, I, I think we've covered it. Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of great information. You know, like I said, um, relapses uh, are difficult for people to go through, but you know, make it make it mean something, right? Um, and the information, the things that you learn as you go through that process of finding your footing again is all valuable information, invaluable, because it's not information you had before before you had the relapse. So make it all mean something. Um, and, and let's move past this pass-fail type of mentality, right? Um, because recovery is not pass-fail. If someone relapses, they haven't failed. Um, you know, they've just reached a, a place in their recovery where they're struggling, um, you know, they're, they're struggling with some things and that's fine. We all struggle, um, but yeah.
0: Exactly. So everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and hope you enjoyed the um the roony of um, host and hostess. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, Daniel, so much for joining us today, and I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day. Thank you for your openness, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own Sober Owned Shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.